everybody again. It's good to be with you. Hasn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? Man, the Lord has been good to show up here today and just bless us the way he has. And uh, I just uh, so appreciate the moving of the Holy Spirit and the words that God has brought. And and I loved uh, what Daniel had to say too. And I just felt like it was kind of right where God has been having us. You know, he talked about we are all in process. Look to your neighbor and say, I know God's not done with you. I can tell. Go ahead and tell him that. And uh, we're all in process. And he kept, he kept going, we're here, and then we're here, and then we're here, and then we're here. For, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about here. We've been talking about valleys. And I'm still in this series on valleys. And um, a, a, valley is, uh, a valley is a low place, a difficult place in our life. You can go ahead and bring it up, if you would. Is it up there? There we go. Valleys are, they represent spiritually those low, difficult places in our lives that, that are hard to be in. And, uh, but, but a lot of things, what goes on in valleys is that process, that work, that, that growing that God is doing in our lives. And it's, uh, it's sometimes, it's not an easy place to be, but the first week we talked about that there is victory in the valley. Can I get a good amen out there? There's victory in the valley. Last week, we talked about digging ditches in our valley. Some of the last things we want to do is go to work in the valley. But if you want to see a miracle move of God, God says, you got to dig some ditches, and I'll fill them up, and I'll take care of you. Today, I want to talk about the valley of decision. And uh, there's one little verse of Scripture tucked away in one of the minor prophets. His name is Joel. It's chapter 3, verse 14. And uh, I just want to want you to see this one little verse of scripture. It says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And that's the word of God. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But let's pray right now. Father, we want to thank you again for your presence here today. Thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to come. You've already begun a good work, Lord. We pray that you would complete the work that you want to do in us today through this word. I pray for an anointing of fresh oil to come upon each and every one of us, God, in this moment. Open up the word to us. Let us see your truth. Let us see your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Well... I definitely believe that some valleys that we go through are by God's design. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then the very next verse says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I believe God leads us sometimes into valley places. He doesn't lead us there, though, to scare us. He leads us there so that he can shape us and mold us and make us. But I do believe that God leads us there sometimes. Some valleys we go through are by divine design, if you will. But then there are other valleys that we find ourselves in that We are there because of some choices or some decisions that we made in our life. 
We went left when we should have gone right or vice versa. And we made a choice and a decision and we wound up in a valley. And then while we're in that valley, that valley in an, being in that place has become like unto us a fork in the road where we have to decide. Now we're here in this place, something we said or something we did or a choice that we made in our life kind of got us into this place. But then while we're in this place, it's become a point of decision where we have to decide, am I going to continue on in this way or am I going to go in this way? It becomes like a fork in the road to us. And uh, so some valleys are a place of great decision. And that brings us back to this Joel chapter 3 verse 14. I know that this passage, if you understand the end times, this passage in Joel chapter 3 is about that great ending battle of the ages where all of the nations of the earth will, in the end time, at the end of the tribulation, will come against the nation of Israel or many of the nations of the earth will gather in the great battle of Armageddon. And the Lord said that multitudes and multitudes will gather in the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord, it says, is near the valley, in the valley of decision. And so it's about that end-time battle where all of the God-defying armies are going to gather together to come against the nation of Israel to try to destroy it. But when they get there, they thought that they gathered themselves to destroy, to fight against Israel, but they discovered that the Lord himself gathered them together to fight against them. And the reason for that, the reason why he calls it the valley of decision is because they had decided not to serve God, not to believe in God, not to receive God, but to defy God, to go against God. And so the valley of decision was, they made a decision to put themselves in that place, but the Lord himself said, and so because of your decision, I'm making a decision, I'm going to bring judgment on you now. I'm going to tell you something, God always gets the victory. Hallelujah. So that's the valley of decision. But in, but in application, I, want us, I wanted to read that verse of Scripture because I think we all find ourselves sometimes in a valley of decision. Will we walk with God or are we going to war against God? Are we going to surrender our lives to the will of God or are we going to do our own will? Are we going to do have our own way, make, make our life all about us? Let me tell you something. I heard somewhere where somebody said, God has a will and you have a will. That means somebody's will's got to change. Amen. It's either God's way or it's going to be our way. And I want to tell you something. God doesn't lose in the end. Amen. And so we may find ourselves right Right here where we need to make up our mind. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that we all may be in a valley. We may be down here in this process of our life. We may not be up here. We may be down here. And it may be for some of us in this room a valley of decision. Are we, we, it's a place that the Lord is saying, it's time for you to make up your mind. It's time for you now to make up your mind. Where are you going from here? And it, the decision is yours. And so in this message today, I want to do a little something. I want to I take a look at some various places in the Bible where I want to look at about three or four different valleys in the Bible that we might be in in particular. 
And the first valley I want to talk about is the valley of Siddim. And this valley is the valley of a decision for us. If we're going to stay in our failure or get stuck in our failure, or are we going to start standing up in our freedom in Jesus? And the valley of Siddim is found in the book of Genesis in the 14th chapter. And the valley of Siddim, by the way, is where the Dead Sea is located. And the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. And the lowest place on earth and the Dead Sea is the place where the twin sin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were located. And in the Bible, we learn there that there was a great battle between nine army nations in that region. Four of them were on the outside of Palestine. Five of them were on the inside of Palestine. And two of those five were the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want you to see something in Genesis chapter 14, beginning at verse 10. I want you to look here with me. It says, now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them in the inferences. They fell in and they got stuck. And the rest of them fled to the hills. And the four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. And then it, look at it. It says, and they also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he too was living in that sin city of Sodom. And so we see here a battle that is raging in this valley. This valley, this lowest place on earth, this place of tar pits. And we learn later that Abraham goes after his nephew and is able to rescue him from captivity there and set him free. And, uh, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I just, I wanted you to see those words. If you could bring that 10th verse back up, the first part of that, where it says they, some fell into the tar pits. And they got stuck in the pits. And because they got stuck in the pits, they got captured by the enemy. And their possessions were stolen. And I want to ask us all here today, what pit are you in? What situation in your life have you gotten yourself stuck into? That you've been fleeing, you've been running, you've been trying to run away and escape the problem, but you're running and you're running and you're running hasn't gotten you free. And you fell into a pit. And the enemy has overcome you because you're in this bondage, you're in this place of failure, and you're in this place of maybe it's sin, or you're in this place of, you know, just kind of trying to fix it yourself, and it hasn't been working. And there are some of us that are stuck in certain pit, pits in our life. And it may be in the bar, it may be on the internet, it may be in a substance, it may be in alcohol or drugs or whatever. There's just something we kind of keep falling into. And we have to make up our mind in this valley, in this valley place. We made decisions to get us ourselves in here. And so we need to make a decision to get ourselves out of here. Are we going to embrace this failure, are we going to stand or are we going to get stuck in this failure or are we going to stand up in our freedom in Jesus Christ? 
Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he said, Stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You say, I fell into a pit. Well, stand up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't accept that pit. Don't accept that sin. Don't accept that failure. You can get stuck in your failure or you can stand in your freedom in Jesus Christ. Woo, come on now. Don't make me get Pentecostal in here. Amen. See, the problem with some of us is we're a lot like Lot. Lot was the nephew. Here, let me just say something. The Bible, Peter wrote about Lot and he called him that righteous man who was vexed because of the culture of the society that he was enveloped in. He was living in Sodom when Abraham and Lot decided to part company. Abraham said, Lot, you choose which way you want to go. And he looked down into the Jordan Valley and he saw how fertile it was. He said, well, I'll take that. And so he went down into the Jordan Valley into the, into the fertile land. And the very next thing we read about him is he's not living there. He's living in Sodom. He made some choices. He went for things that gratified, things that pleased him. And then all the way down into the city of Sodom. Into the pits. Now he was a righteous man. And we know that he was a righteous man because when Abraham was praying for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, if there's any righteous in that city, will you destroy that land? So this isn't about Lot not being a righteous man of God or the man of God. But listen, he that just because he was a righteous man doesn't mean that he was in the right place. You are a child of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are His. The Spirit of God lives in you. That doesn't mean we always are in the right place. And when we find ourselves drifting and making decisions that take us here and then take us here and then take us here and then take us here and we find ourselves in a pit, it's time to stand up and get free. And not embrace... That failure. But get free in Jesus. And you know the story when the angel went in to the city. When the angels went there to rescue Lot and his family. You can see how entrenched he was. It was He was just really struggling with letting go of Sodom. He was really struggling with getting out of the town. And that shows how it is for a lot of us. We get so steeped in our dysfunction and our brokenness and in our sin and in our failure that it's hard to just, to just accept the freedom and walk in it. The Bible said that the angel literally took him by the hand and grabbed him and said, I can't leave here without you. And he rushed him out of the city, but Lot's wife... She couldn't let go. She turned and she became a pillar in the community, if you know what I mean. You say, well, how do I get out of here? Well, put your hand in the hand of the man. Hallelujah. So if you're in that valley today, it's a decision time. Are you going to accept this failure? Or are you going to accept his freedom?
You're going to accept your failure or are you going to accept his freedom? Hallelujah. The second valley I want to talk about is the valley of Eskel. And this is a valley where we have a decision. Are we going to be afraid? Are we going to be a people of fear? Or are we going to be a people of faith? Are we going to be afraid of the problems that lie in front of us, which are intimidating us from going forward? Or are we going to be a people who believe the promise of God despite the problems of the times? Now, this story takes place where the children of Israel had been set free from captivity in Egypt. And the Lord, after about a year of being around the Mount of Sinai, where they got the law of God, the Lord brought them to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And he was preparing them to cross over into the promised land. And they sent 12 spies over. And these 12 spies were not to go over and determine whether or not they were supposed to go into the land. But really, they were just to go over, and it was a reconnaissance mission. It was kind of going over, figuring out how are we going to go into this land? Which way are we going to go? But when they got over there, something happened in the valley of Eskel. And I want you to see this. It's found in Numbers chapter 13, verse 23. It says, then they came to the valley of Eskel. And there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them. In other words, this was so large, it was so huge of a cluster of grapes that one man could not carry this. They put it on a pole, and they had two of them had to carry it. They also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs. Now, that's what they saw when they were in that promised land in this valley of Eskel. But when they went back to Kadesh Barnea, here's what happened. You won't see the scriptures, but... When they went back, they said, you know what? It is just like the Lord said. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is just everything that God said. I mean, it's incredible what's going on over there and how beautiful the land is and how fruitful and plentiful the land is. But, but, everybody say but. <laughs> but there are giants in that land. They are big, ugly creatures over there and we look like grasshoppers in their sight and there is no way that we can go into that land and take it it's like what God said but we're not able to do what God said and so they spent the next 40 years wandering because of their fear, rather than walking in faith believing. And some of us are in a valley right now, it's a valley of Eskel, where we need to decide, are we going to go forward in faith and do what God has called us to do and opened for us to do, or are we going to give up in fear and just kind of quit and turn around and go back? Listen, in the Christian faith, you are either going forward or you're going backward. You're not just sitting here static. You're not just sitting here and just kind of staying here. No, in the Christian faith, you're going forward or you're going backward. God 
has a hope and a future for all of us in this room. And the Lord has us, we're right now, we've made a decision in this valley. We've seen the promise of God. We know what the hope of God is. And some of us are waiting around. Some of us have given up on what God has told us to do. The vision that God has given us. The calling of God upon our life. It may not be a sin issue, but it is an issue of whether or not I'm going to trust the Lord. And I'm going to go with what He said. Rather than in what I'm seeing. Amen. Are you with me out there? You know, you know you're in fear. When all you can see are obstacles. And never see opportunities. You know that's fear. Even to this day, as long as I've walked with the Lord and as many years as I've been here pastoring or Julie and I have been in ministry, I still have bouts of fear. I see things, I see dilemmas, I see problems, I see circumstance, and I sometimes I want to just kind of step back. But we've not been called to step back. We've not been called to retreat. God has given us the land and He wants us to possess it. He's given you an inheritance and He wants you to go after it. Yes, there are giants in the land. Isn't it wonderful? There are big, ugly creatures over there. Isn't it great? You look like a grasshopper. But they didn't know 40 years later, Rahab said to, said to them, said to the spies that came over, she said, we were so afraid of you. They had no idea. They thought they were the ones that lived with most fear. And Rahab said, no, we as a nation of people were afraid of you. <laughs> Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, the devil is afraid of you. Go ahead and tell them that. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love of power, and a sound mind. You are not crazy. You're just bold. Come on. You're not a looney tune. You, are, you just know who your God is. Amen. Here's another valley. Let me, let me move on. The valley of Achor. Now this is a valley where we have to make up our mind. We have to make a decision. Are we going to be obedient to the Lord or are we going to continue to be obstinate to the Lord? Now this story goes on where the children of Israel are now in the promised land. They are now taking possession 40 years after this valley of Eskel. And the first place they go in and the first city that they take is Jericho. And God explains explicitly how to do it. He gives them specific instructions on how to get the victory. And he tells them in the process, and when you get the victory, he said... The whole city, all the people, all the land, all the produce, every, everything. He said, nothing, you cannot take one iota of plunder for yourself. The whole city is to be offered up to me. It's my city. You give it all to me. And so when they go in there and they're getting the victory and the walls are falling and people are dying and it's just, you know, that God is getting the victory through the people. There's one man and his name is Achan. And Achan sees a silver necklace. He sees a bomber jacket. He sees a brick of gold. He see, you know, he sees some really cool stuff. 
And he's like, I can't let this go. I, I, I mean, I got, I mean, God's, this, surely God's not going to get ticked off of three little items. And he takes them and he buries them in the floor of his tent. Nobody knows but God and Achan. Can I just say, God always knows, <laughs> right? He always knows. And so I got away with it. No big deal. The sky didn't fall. I'm not burning in hell, you know. I, I'm, I'm okay. Everything's okay. And then uh, they go off to the next battle. And they lost a miserable, embarrassing defeat against a city that was not even a third their size. And they're just like, how did this happen? How did this happen? And the Lord said, well, I'll tell you how it happened. This is what the Bible says. He said, there's sin in the camp. And so they, long process, they whittled it down. They figured it out that it was Achan. And Achan came clean. He said, yeah, he said, I've got this necklace. I've got this piece of gold. I got this jacket. And here's what it says in Joshua chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughter, his oxen and donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and he brought them to the valley of Achor. It became the valley of Achor, because of Achan. Achan's name means trouble or affliction. And so they brought him into that valley and they stoned him and his family and everything about his life was completely destroyed because of his disobedience to the Lord. And that place became known as the Valley of Achor. Achan, Achan's disobedience became a place of trouble. Can I just say that disobeying the Lord's just going to get you in trouble? It's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not here saying you're going to loot. You're going to lose your salvation. But it just, it's just going to make a world of trouble. To walk in disobedience, in direct disobedience to what the Lord asks us to do and tells us. It's just trouble. Come on. Everybody okay out there? And so, some of us are in a valley right now in our life where we're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to... Obey God, or am I going to continue to do my own thing? We're in that, we're in that valley. And you know, just like it's hard, I'm not going to lie to you, when I read that story, it's hard for me to read it because I think of all his family and all his possessions and how they were innocent of it. They, they, they weren't at fault, but it just goes to show you, it's a principle that we need to understand that our disobedience can have far-reaching and devastating effects on people around us. Which is why the prophet Samuel said to Saul, who also was in disobedience to the Lord, 
He said to him in uh, 1 Samuel 15, he said, but, but Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, Saul, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he's rejected you as the king of Israel. What is God telling you to do? Do it. Do it. I mean, not too long ago, I was kind of wrapped up and entangled in my own issues and in something that was going on. And I just felt like God was saying, you need to do this. You need to do this. And I was saying, no, I can't. I won't. I can't. I, I don't even know if I can do it. And, and you know what? I, there was a bondage and there was a heaviness and there was a depression that set in on me until I obeyed the Lord. Listen, you got to obey the Lord. It's life to you. It's liberty to you. I mean, I was coming in here and singing songs and lifting my hands, but listen, more than the sacrifice of our praise is our obedience. What is it good is it if I love on the Lord in here, but I won't go out there and do what He tells me to do? Amen. I'll leave that alone. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Amen. One more valley. One more valley. Hopefully it's our last valley. No. No. Uh, this valley is the valley of Baca. And this is a valley where we need to make a decision. Are we going to get our strength in God? Or are we just going to be sorrowful and sour in our spirit? Are we going to get our strength in God? This comes out of Psalms 84, verses 5 through 7. Look at this verse. He says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Look at, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Can I just stop right there and just say, you're going through this valley. Come on, you're going, listen, you may be in Baca, but you're going through. But listen to what he says. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools, and they go from strength to strength, each one appears before the God in Zion. Now, I want you to notice there, three times it said, they go from strength to strength. Their strength is in God. They go from strength to strength. They were strong in the Lord. And the word baka, everybody say baka. Baka, sounds like a dessert almost. Baka means literally weeping. That's what the word means. It means a place of weeping. It denotes a valley that is dry, barren, difficult, depressing, grievous wasteland. That's what Baca means. And he says, we go through this place. And it was people talking about on our way to Jerusalem to worship God. Sometimes we go through hardship and we go through very difficult places and 
places that grieve our heart and places that are that we've been hurt and and just it feels dry there's no joy there's no life depression and feelings of defeat but look at what it says but they make it a spring look at that they make it a spring sometimes we find ourselves in a baka valley where we're going to have to make our decision. Are we going to strengthen ourselves in the Lord like David had to strengthen himself in the Lord? Or are we going to embrace this sad, dejected, heartbroken, depressed state of mind? Because we've been hurt, because we're, it's been hard, because it's just difficult. I mean, listen, you may be in Baca. Can I just say this? Your Bacas are what you make them. It says right there, they make it a spring. It's not a spring. It's a dry, desolate, hard place. But they, the ones who are passing through it, they're making it a spring. And then notice the next phrase. The rain also covers it with pools. You know where the rain comes from? The Lord. God pours out His blessing. God pours out His rain. But before the rain of God comes, they've already made it a spring by their attitude and by the heart and the disposition of their heart. They've turned their weeping, hard, difficult, depressed place into a place of praise and worship. How do I know that? Because Psalms 84 verse 4, right before what we read, it says these words, Blessed are those who dwell in your house they will still be praising you. That's how that little passage starts. They go through it in a spirit of praise. And while they're going through it in a spirit of praise, this dry, barren wasteland is turned into a spring of living water. And then on top of it, God pours out His blessings. Woo! Come on! Can I also say you can make it if you praise. Come on, you can make it if you praise. So those are some valleys of decision that you might be in. It might be a valley, it might be a pit, a valley pit, a tar pit where you feel stuck in your failure. Or it might be a, a valley of fear where you're afraid. Fear has paralyzed your heart from going forward and going after what God has opened to you. It might be a valley of disobedience. It might be a valley of grief and woe. But you can make a decision today. So let me just in closing kind of wrap this up. And I got to do this very quickly so I don't even know where I'm going. I'm just telling the folks up there doing the, I don't even know where I'm going so just hang with me. I want to talk about Four quick principles for making godly decisions. Number one, think biblically. If you want to make a good decision, get your head wrapped around the Word of God and what God says. There is a way, the Bible says, that seems right to man, but that way leads to death. How you've been making your decisions up until this point 
may not be based on the truth of God's word. It may be based on the emotion of your feelings. And so if we want to change the location of where we're at and move on to higher ground of what God has called us to, we've got to get our brain into the word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, Your word is a lamp for my feet and it's a light for my path. So right here where I'm at right now in my life, I can see where you want me to step and where what's a danger point and what's a life-giving point. But all, not, on, not only that will God's Word do that for me, but it will hope, it'll give me a bearing on where I'm at in my life. And I love Ch- Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll said, the way to think biblically is to have an open Bible and a tender heart and a willingness to change. And if you don't have those three things in tandem, it's going to hard, it's going to be hard for us to get a Bible mindset, a Word of God mindset, because we, if we're going to make right decisions, we got to get to the place that helps us to make God decisions. Amen. Number two, we need to pray continuously. When you're in a valley, when you're in a pit, when you're in a place of fear, when you're in a place of dis- disobedience, when you're in a place of utter discouragement, cry out to God. David said in Psalms 25, verses 4 and 5, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. How many of you know that God is your salvation? Come on, you're not your own salvation. God is your salvation. He says, God, you are my salvation. On you I wait all the day. You know what that phrase, all the day, means? That means... All day, every day, pray. Cry out to God. If you're in a pit, if you're in a valley, if you made a decision to get yourself, now you've got to make a decision to get out of this place. The only way to do that is to start thinking biblically by the Word of God and praying continuously. Number three, counsel regularly. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. See, the problem with some of us is we're trying to do this all by ourselves and not gleaning from the strength and the wisdom of other people in our life that are godly, by the way, that are godly, that are godly. that are men and women who have the heart and mind of God that will tell you the truth about what God says and not just what you want to hear said, be said. Amen. And so if I'm in a valley, if I'm in a place where I'm in disobedience, if I'm in a pit, a slime pit, a tar pit that's got me, it's got my emotions, it's got my mindset, there's a, listen, James says, confess your sins one to another and be healed. There is healing if you will find somebody or someones in your life and just say, man, I am struggling here. I am oppressed here. I have fallen into this pit. I am going through this, this real deep discouragement and get with them and confess it so that you can be healed. Stop trying to do this in your own strength. Amen. Because, let me tell you something, when we seek the help of godly people in our lives, that's where we're going to find victory in our 
personal battles. Here's another verse of scripture. Proverbs 24 verse 6 says, By wise guidance you will wage your own war. And in abundance of counselors there is victory. Do you want to get the victory? Get yourself into a small group or get you a buddy or get you a sister in the Lord and just start to talk about and just be honest and just be open and just lay it out all on the line so that they can help you. They'll, they'll be kind of like that angel was to Lot. They can grab a hold of your hand and they'll say, I'm not going to leave you in this place. And they'll pull you up and out and take you on, but we have to trust the Spirit of the Lord in people. God's people. Come on, amen, church. Is this doing anything for anybody? Hopefully, I'm almost done. It better have. So, these are just godly principles for making wise decisions. Get your mind in the Word. Get your heart seeking God in prayer. Get you a brother or sister that you can talk to. And then the fourth, final thing, live with purpose, live with focus, live with intentionality. Joshua's closing remarks to the children of Israel, his closing remarks were, and we all remember it, choose this day whom you're going to (laughs) serve. He said, you guys need to make up your mind. You need to make a decision in your life. He's speaking to the whole nation of Israel. you got to make a choice, and it would be good for you to make it now, today. Am I going to stay stuck in this pit? Am I going to stay stuck in this place of fear? Am I going to embrace this discouragement of heart? Am I going to continue on with an obstinate heart to what God is telling me to do? Am I going to, be in, am I going to stay in this valley? Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Listen, I want to remind you, you were made by God for God. Your life is not your own. You were bought at a price. Jesus shed his life's blood to purchase your salvation and to make you his own. You are not your own. I love that. I like how the Bible says it. You are not your own. I'm my own man or woman. No, you're not. You belong to the Lord. And so we need to live with purpose and live with focus and live with intentionality. I love the Apostle Paul. This is my closing. I promise it is my closing thought. Paul says, brethren, I don't count my life to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. Aren't you glad that Like Paul, we can be honest about ourselves. I'm not everything I want to be. I'm not every place I want to be. He said, I have not apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things. Say those words with me. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press. Listen, you're going to have to press. You're going to have to lean into it. He said, I press. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
You might be out there thinking, Tim, I've made so many bad decisions in my life. Listen, join the club. In fact, I'm the president of this club. It's called the, we've made so many bad decisions. You know what you do with those bad decisions? You just undecide it. Undecide it. How do I do that? Accept God's forgiveness and forget it. Forget it. Paul said, forgetting those things. I love that. Forget it. Get, just walk in God's forgiveness and forget it. Because you're going through this valley. This is not your home. Amen. Let's stand together. I want you to think of one of those four valleys. I bet, I'd be willing to bet most of us in the room are in one of those four. And this isn't a condemning remark. This isn't a condemning place. We might be battling some fear issues. We might be in a, in, you know, be it ever so minuscule in our thinking, a place of disobedience. Or maybe we're in, we've embraced discouragement. I mean, this has been a discouraging time we've been in. And it's baka to us. It's weeping. It's grievous. It's hurtful. It's not fun. Or we may be in a pit. There may be an issue in your life that you're just stuck in a pit. Let's take it to the Lord. Can we do that right now? So, Father God, we just want to conclude our time here today by acting on the Word of God. Just think of that place you're at. Just be honest. You don't have to say anything to me or anybody. Just be honest before God. Be honest to God. And just tell Him. You can even just just say it under your breath. Lord, I'm in this valley. Lord, I decide on You. I need Your Word. Lord, we need You to open up Your Word to us. Lord, we're crying out to You for deliverance. We do not want to stay in this place. Lord, we know that we're in process, so we'll accept the process. But we don't want to get stuck in the place that we're at. We want to walk through. We want to pass through it, Lord. I'm tired of being in this same thing, going around this same issue, dealing with this same problem. Lord, I'm looking to you. We're all, Lord, all of us in this room are pressing toward the upward call of Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, we're going after your call. We're going after your goal. We're going after your will for our lives. And so, Lord, do it for us in this room and do it for all who are watching at home right now. Lord, maybe feel stuck in their own way, maybe in a valley in some way. Just cry out to the Lord, even now, with your family or by yourself. Just lift your heart and your hands to the Lord and just say, God, I'm crying out to you right now. I need you. I make a decision, Lord, for you, for your way, for your will. Lord, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for being with us here today. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the beautiful day. Amen.